Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take a step back and think about what kind of culture that I want to have long term, Hmm. which is important uh, to consider if you are a business owner that wants to grow your business, which most business owners do. Most business owners are in it, you know, for hopefully they love the, the work, but they also need to make a profit. So business outcomes are directly related. I can't stress that enough, directly related to culture and engagement. And both culture and engagement can be addressed by a well-rounded designed wellness program. So I always tell leaders that um, if you want to if you want to improve culture and you want to improve engagement, then we, we have to look at well-being. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. Welcome to the nice podcast all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. I'm your host, Dave Delaney from futureforth.com, where we help fast growing companies retain talent and improve culture so you have happier, more connected teams. Today, I'm speaking with Kim Farmer, who is the CEO and founder of Mile High Fitness and Wellness, a corporate wellness organization serving companies of all sizes and individuals with fitness and nutrition coaching services. Kim, welcome to the nice Nice podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dave. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Me too. So I always like to start my podcast with one question, which is what is the nicest thing someone has done for you recently? Let me think. I would say the nicest thing someone has done. I don't know if it's something someone has done more than something someone said. So today someone told me that they felt like I was their hero <laughs> mm. um, because of just all the things that I do uh, in my life. I try to do anyway to help other people. So, you know, I'm volunteering all over the place and just uh, trying to help people get healthier. And so that's what she said to me. And I thought, wow, that was really nice because I've never felt like I was somebody's hero before at all, ever. That's so, amazing. <laughs> Is she, was she a client or? <laughs> no, no, just a friend. Oh, wow. Just a friend. She just, yeah, just a friend. So I was like, oh, that's really nice. I told her she's my hero because she's the one that gets to stay at home and not work. 
Oh, so nice. I was like, that's what I want to do. I'm trying to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. I love that. I love that. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so we met at the Rocky Mountain Total Rewards Conference in Denver a while back, not not too long ago. Um, we were both speaking there. And uh, yeah, I loved your presentation uh, really about health and, and wellness, you know, in the workplace. Um, what, what, tell me a little bit about your speaking uh, background. Uh, you know, you've been speaking for a while in, in, in mm-hmm, this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started speaking probably about 15 years ago, uh, whenever I started my business, mm. uh, which is to help people and people, individuals and groups of people in organizations become the healthiest that they can. So when I first started speaking, it was mainly for nonprofits and just giving away, just trying to help, like I said, you know, help communities um, get healthier. So I was just volunteering for mm-hmm. like the American Heart Association, Diabetes Association, and just helping communities uh, become more educated and hopefully more inspired uh, to move more and eat better. So yeah, it's been about uh, 15 years. And um, ever since then, I have, I just love speaking and I, I speak pretty much whenever someone wants me to come speak. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you were great. I mean, I enjoyed your, your presentation and, and uh, yeah, a lot, a lot can be said from, from experiences leading to, to that. I know um, early on for you, whatever, 13, 15 years ago, you, you helped a type two diabetic uh, kind of overcome mm-hmm. that um, as one of your first clients, which I thought was just such a cool thing. And that kind of led into your, your time donating, uh, your, or your experience donating time with these, these uh, nonprofits, which is great. Yeah, that was, uh, that first experience really inspired me to see how many more people I could help because, you know, all these, all the medication that doctors put you on is, in my opinion, uh, obviously not good for us with all the, uh, just with all the chemicals that are in there mm. and, and, uh, some of the side effects. So, just that's been my goal is to try to help people understand that all of these things can be prevented and you don't have to spend all this money and time going to the doctor to get to get rid of or prevent some of these chronic illnesses. So. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for attending my um, presentation. And I enjoy yours as well. I loved it. Oh, <laughs> I, I just absolutely loved it. So, yeah, I, I thought it was clean and simple and, and very well communicated. And I know you probably helped a lot of people that day. So. Oh, thank you. That's that's kind of you to say. <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm you know. <laughs> Well, I, so I was, I'm, I'm from Canada originally and, and lived in, in Nashville for 15 years in the U.S. And, you know, one thing is, is n- noticing how over medicated Americans are. Um, it's kind of shocking. And every time I go for a physical or, or just go see a doctor for whatever reason, the, the, you know, they always ask me, you know, what are, what medic, what, what medicines are you on? And I'm like, well, none. And they're like, no, but I mean, prescriptions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, none. <laughs> and they're always like, no, no. Oh, I mean, awesome. <laughs> and they ask me like the same question over. I'm like, I'm not right. on anything. You mean vitamins? Cause I'm, I'm uh, on some vitamins. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. so that always, awesome. yeah, it's always, I'm always, uh, proud of myself for that. And I also have known, I like, I know somebody personally who, um, uh, took so many, um, uh, homeopathic remedies for things. They started taking too many of them and they started messing with their system and they started getting ill. And then they had to start taking prescriptions to drugs to correct that pro- the problem, like just by overdoing oh, it. No. So it's, it's such an oh, interesting, no. yeah, it's an interesting thing, oh, but I think wow. it really does come down to, 
I, I'm no fitness guru by any means, but come, it does come down to like, you know, physical fitness and, and wellness. Um, tell me, so tell me a little bit about the work you do with, with corporations. Cause I know you, you get hired. I know certainly before COVID and we can talk about sort of how you do this, you know, kind of before mm-hmm. and, and sort of outside of COVID. Um, tell me about that. Your experiences working with businesses and organizations to help. Yeah, so that's probably uh, one of the areas that I'm the most excited about because it's easiest to to reach a lot of people that way since mm. you already have a group. So as opposed to training or coaching someone one-on-one, that was the reason why I sort of um, went into the corporate environment is because I knew I could help a lot more people at once. Mm. So the ways that we help them are wide and varying depending upon their culture and their need and their size. So a lot of a lot of companies that are smaller, you know, they have smaller budgets to work with. They they generally don't really have a place. Some of them don't have anything in place. Uh, some of them have like a newsletter um, and that's maybe all they have or maybe an apple on their desk and they say, oh, that's my wellness program. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, depending on the size, we do fitness classes. We do a lot of uh, nutrition classes and coaching. Um, we do a lot of wellness challenges and massage therapy. Um, we do a lot of uh, lunch and learns around stress management. Mm. And we do a lot of virtual activities, um, especially when when COVID happened we had all of our clients pretty much cancel all of our programs because we were doing a lot of things in person. Sure. And then when that happened, we shifted and we, we offered everything virtually, which included some social activities that we added because of COVID. So those include things like uh, fun stuff like magic shows and comedy shows and bingo and Pictionary and art therapy and animal therapy Hmm. uh, and things like that, that are fun and engaging and it doesn't necessarily say, hey, you know, this is our wellness program. Come join us in bingo. It's just right. they can just say, like, this is this is bingo. And, and it is, in my opinion, going to help someone because it makes them smile. It's fun. It's social. Um, they get to see each other, uh, whereas some some groups are still 100 percent virtual. Hmm. And sometimes Zoom is the only way to see each other. So it's another excuse to see each other. And to smile and laugh and and just enjoy each other's company. So those are some of the things we do. And how did you communicate that to your to your clients or to your prospects? Like, did you create like a menu of of, of opportunity or of uh, what's available kind of thing and email mm-hmm. them or yeah. tell me about that? Um, yeah, so we have a list, several lists actually, um, of of clients that we've either worked with before or would like to work with, and we just continue to stay in touch with them. Um, sometimes I'll email those clients directly, the ones that uh, we've worked with in the past many times before and let them know what's new. Sometimes they email us and say, hey, what's new? What are you guys doing that's new? Mm. And then, you know, we're always changing up what we offer, especially our lunch and learn topics, because mm. sometimes we get specific requests from clients that are looking for a certain thing. Like we had one group that wanted something related to men's health, for example. So we, we created that hmm. or they wanted a, a stress management topic specifically designed for women, you know, so we were able to create that. So we are always changing things up. So I try to do what I can personally to stay in touch with our clients. And then uh, always in my emails, in my email footer, um, and then also just in my emails, hey, you know, don't forget the holidays are coming up. For example, you might be interested in a holiday cooking demo. And then it just kind of triggers, hopefully, uh, in their mind, like, hey, you know, 
believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of unbelievable, but the holidays are like almost here. So mm. we should start thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I know it's frightening. What, mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the needs that you've been seeing? Like, what are the, some of the trends that, that your clients are asking for? Right. Yeah. So the biggest one for sure is mental health. So mm. mental health resources are pretty much at the top of the list for almost every group that I know mm. right now. There's a lot of people that are, you know, experiencing anxiety and, and stress because of all the things that are happening in our world right now. So I would say that's probably the most common. The second challenge that I hear a lot about is just the, the difficulty in getting people uh, to engage and to, uh, to, to recreate that social component of wellness mm. that was so easy to have when you're in person. And it's very challenging. It's more challenging, as to say, when you are in a virtual environment. So, you know, some of the, uh, the that connection piece, making sure that their team members stay connected with, which has a lot to do with the culture, um, retention, psychological safety. So, you know, those are some of the, the challenges that I hear uh, about with a lot of groups right now. So we try to do what we can to help them with those kinds of things mm. and just customize a solution for them and their team. What are some of the, some tips that you've, you've seen work well for, for uh, combat or not combating mental health, but tending to mental health as, as it pertains to like virtual uh, trainings and mm -hmm. things. So what, what are some of the things that you've seen? Well, uh, we have quite a few different webinars Hmm. that they can choose from that ha that are uh, focused on stress management types of topics. Hmm. So those things, uh, they we always get feedback. And uh, the, the feedback is generally like, hey, you know, this was great. Um, it really helped me a lot. It gave me some tools and strategies to use moving forward. Uh, also, uh, as I mentioned, you know, we do some therapy uh, sessions, like, for example, uh, music therapy or art therapy. Um, mm. Those things are, are fun to attend. And you, uh, again, you know, you get to interact with your teammates, but at the same time, you know, you are, you are talking to a licensed therapist yeah. while you're there drawing whatever you're drawing or making whatever you're making. So I think that that is also effective. Uh, but I would say if I had my own, uh, if I could just throw my own opinion out there, one of the most effective strategies that I've, that I've, that I know about is one-on-one uh, -on -one counseling for sure by yeah. far and away you know i think if someone is is uh experiencing mental health challenges then you know you never know that person might actually have a need for medication if they're diagnosed with something sure. so i feel like that's one of the first things i would tell someone if uh if it's something that's persistent and ongoing it might be it might be a good idea to talk to maybe um someone from their eap uh if if the program offer the employer offers an employee assistance program. Uh, usually, they can they can uh, talk to a licensed therapist for at no charge. Mm. It's usually included. So uh, I encourage people to to try that route because I'm a big believer in that one on one coaching for sure. Do you think a lot of companies do? A lot of companies have that in place and and maybe don't communicate it well to team members, or is it something relatively new yeah. or? Yeah, so um, EAPs have actually been around since like the 40s, and uh, originally they were they were designed as a means to help with alcohol and drug abuse, and uh, it unfortunately that because of that it created a stigma, and a lot of people it kind of stuck, and so a lot of people are like, well, you know, I'm not gonna use EAP, 
um, because it, it, it has been known for that. And I don't want people to think I'm a drug head, so I'm not going to yeah, use it. Right. But I think, uh, you know, over time it's sort of changed and people are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, I know uh, when I worked for corporate America, I didn't use EAP simply because I thought that my employer would find out that I was using it and what I was talking to the, the therapist about. So yeah. I, I didn't use it. It's a very valuable resource. Like we partner with EAPs uh, to be a nutrition and fitness coach, and that is even included. So it's it's come a long way from just dealing with drug and alcohol addiction. And the stigma is, I think, uh, sort of lightening a little bit, um, especially amongst communities of color, mm. where you know we were always told just you know pretty much just you know pull up your bootstraps and <laughs> do what you got to do. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's you know there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, communities that are offering free mental health services, especially now when so many people really, really need it. And I would say that most employers that offer um, some sort of, you know, insurance program and ins- benefits, if they offer benefits, then uh, there are many cases where EAPs are, are part of that, um, mm. for sure. I would say a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. It's just a matter of are people utilizing it um, is the big deal. And, you know, the messaging and the marketing of, uh, that comes from the employer it has to be very crystal clear that, you know, this is uh, it's 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 protected by HIPAA. I cannot I cannot access your information, um, period. So that could be, you know, one of the things that could help drive people there using it. That's interesting. And excuse my ignorance. What does EAP stand for? Oh, um, employee assistance program. OK. OK. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that's great. And and so for the work that you do, and I know you do it, obviously, in person and, and virtually, um, you're based in was it in Tampa? Is that right? Or in um, Florida? Yeah. I live in Tampa. I live in Tampa, but uh, the business is based out of Denver, mm-hmm. and you know that's the reason why it's called Mile High Fitness and Wellness. So yeah, yeah we're based out of Denver, but we have clients all around the country. Um, but I would say that our biggest base of customers is in Colorado because that's that's sort of like where we started, you know. So where did it come? Where did your interest come into? health and wellness. I know you have a bachelor of science in electrical engineering from the university of Colorado in Denver. Um, but you will also mm-hmm. love playing tennis and, and, uh, you're a two-time winner of Colorado state open, which is awesome. And you love dancing and exercise. <laughs> so tell me like, is, how did, how did your worlds kind of collide into what you do now? Yeah, so uh, I worked as an engineer for several years, and um, in the process of doing that, I had to sit behind a desk like a lot of people do right mm. now, or I was, you know, behind a uh, in a lab, <laughs> but I was always sitting down as an engineer. Um, and then I ended up getting pregnant, and when I got pregnant, I gained like fifty pounds, mm. and I was disgusted, just absolutely disgusted with myself. I didn't even want to look in the mirror. I didn't want to go to the gym. I was just, you know, so frustrated I couldn't lose the weight. So I started just working out at home because I felt embarrassed by my size. I didn't want to go to the gym. So I started just doing things at home. And as I was watching fitness videos, I started to become really inspired by the instructors. And I thought it would be my lifelong dream just to be like them. I just wanted to teach a fitness class. And I thought that would be the end of my life. <laughs> and like I had made it at that point. So I did whatever I could to get that certification. And then after I did that, I got more and more certifications like personal training, et cetera. And then I started um, just work, just doing that part time. You know, I was doing personal training part time, a lot of times for free. I just loved helping people, and I was doing that uh, whenever I could. A lot of friends, you know, for friends and things like that. And then 
eventually I started working at rec centers. I was teaching like, you know, 15, 20 classes a week, training clients in between, just running around like a mad woman. And then <laughs> eventually I said, you know, I can't do this alone. So I started hiring people and then it started growing and growing and growing. And that's sort of how it happened. And in the meantime, I, uh, I have to say, I do sometimes miss the world of, uh, engineering. You know, I still am a pretty technical person. I love math and science still to this mm -hmm. day. Uh, but, uh, you know, now my career doesn't give me the chance to, to do that kind of stuff, but I do get a taste of it because my son is now going to the same school for engineering. So, oh, nice. you know, I'm always trying to peek in on what he's doing, but he's doing civil, which is not electrical. So that's poor, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's doing <laughs> engineering. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. He's kind of following in your footsteps. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, and you mentioned your the folks that you have working with you. Are they uh, employees or are they contract workers? How does that work? Are you outsourcing some? Uh, yeah, so a, a combination. Yeah, a combination of both. Um, sometimes they're subcontractors. Sometimes they're employees. Like we get we get clients sometimes that just want like a one time deal. So we we work with clients of all sizes, and we literally. Uh, walk the talk when we say that um, we do whatever we can to meet you where you are. That's our tagline. We meet you where you are. So regardless of your budget, your size, your location, your your fitness level, we meet you where you where you are. So if we get small clients, they might just want like you know one yoga class series. So we might hire someone just for that, you know, just for that, and then they they roll off and that's it. That's the end. Hmm. Um, but most of the time, our clients renew um, and they 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 enjoy the classes and so they they want more. And so um, in that case, you know, we have instructors that have been with us literally for, you know, five, six, seven years. Uh, these days, I will say that it is tougher. It has been a little bit tougher to get people to work in person. Hmm. Um, you know, we've all gotten so used to working from home and not having to drive anywhere. So the same is true for fitness instructors. You know, we work virtually during COVID and now you want me to do what? <laughs> you want me to leave the house to go teach? Right. <laughs> you know, how much are you paying me for that? <laughs> right, right. So it has, it has been a little bit more challenging, but um, yeah, we have a combination of subs and employees. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's, it seems to be working out. I, I don't know that we'll get back to the level of business that we had before COVID. Hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that'll happen. You know, times have changed quite a bit. So we'll see what, you know, we'll see what, what happens, but either way, you know, I just always have my, my nose to the grindstone every single day, just trying to help people. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Are there specific industries that you serve? I know, I know you serve all sorts of different companies, but um, do you find that there's mm -hmm. one particular, you know, uh, an industry that's mm -hmm. more prevalent in, in working with you than, than others? Or tell me about that. Um, I would say, let me see. Well, we work with all kinds of, literally all kinds of verticals, hospitals, schools, banks. Um, we work with apartment complexes, school districts, mm. um, senior living facilities. So I like to say we work with people ages five to 95 because we literally do. So we work with kids and we work with seniors. Um, I would say if I had to choose one of those, um, I would say just the, most of our clients are private, just, mm. just private companies, um, not necessarily attached to, you know, any city or government, although we do work with cities and governments, but yeah. um, I would say they're just usually, you know, um, employer groups, you know, maybe they've got 500 employees and they just want to get something going for wellness or something better, you know, than what they have for wellness and they reach out. So I can't really say that uh, there's been like one particular industry that we've worked with more than another. 
to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it's yeah. just a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it does sound like it. And I think my wife, at the very beginning of the pandemic, we decided to hire a virtual uh, trainer. And so we did, mm. we did, we started, we, we already had like a treadmill and some weights and gosh, the price of weights went skyrocketed during the pandemic, yeah, during yeah. The, the quarantine. I think everybody was doing it. Um, but we, mm-hmm. yeah, but we, we, yeah, we learned a lot during that, that process and, and still do it too. Um, but I do find um, that do well, I've had a, not to bore you with my gory details, but I've had some back problems and, uh, so I've been actually seeing a PT, like PT getting physical therapy twice a week for the last couple of months. Mm. And, um, I honestly, like I do find in person is always better just because if you're mm. doing something wrong, it's hard. It depends on the device you're using, I guess, of whether you can see the client. What are your experiences with that? Like do people, Yeah. cause I mean, in person, you know, it's easy to see like, Oh my gosh, why are you doing that? Like, that's totally wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're, vir- we're virtually, <laughs> you know, yeah. on an app. It's like, well, yeah. you just have to hope they're doing it right. Yeah. I hope they're doing it right. Yeah. I would say, uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm still certified as a trainer, but I haven't had the opportunity to actually train someone in so long. Mm. But, um, I, I was teaching fitness, uh, virtually when COVID started. And one of the things I noticed is that people were not turning on their video, which was so frustrating. Mm. Like, I understand, you know, that you don't want to necessarily see, you don't want everyone to see you dancing or how you're moving. And maybe you didn't comb your hair that day. But for the instructor, uh, you're literally teaching to, a black screen, you know, when no one shows their, their video and you can't see their form. So like right. for our yoga instructors that teach virtually, you know, all I can do is hope that people are, that people have their video on. Um, but of course, you know, a good instructor is always going to cue on, you know, good form just as a, a, a trainer, you know, is always going to cue on good form regardless of how well they can see you or not. Mm. But if they can't, adjust like I agree that being in person would allow the trainer to actually manually adjust you so that you are that you do have the proper alignment yeah and that is difficult uh, virtually but I would say that I would definitely prefer that someone get help virtually if they need it then not at all true and if it's possible to meet in person then I would highly encourage that because I just don't see I, I can see so many more benefits to meeting a trainer in person than virtual for sure. Yeah. Um, if you can. Yeah, it makes <laughs> sense. And also yeah, I, I feel that I feel the pain of the trainer in that in that way too, because as a speaker, you know, I do a lot of uh a lot of presentations and training and I do a lot of it virtually now and, and so it's it's difficult if mm-hmm. you don't have like a live audience that you see, yeah, it's difficult to know yeah. if, if your jokes are any good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're all on mute. Right. Yeah, and you're just laughing to yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's... <laughs> but I'm excited to hear that you and your wife, it sounds like, got a trainer. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope it's helping. I hope it helped. Oh, yeah. It's been very helpful, for sure. For sure. Tell me a little bit about awesome. procrastination, because I know you've got like a motivational book and CD, and I call 10 Strategies to Stop Procrastinating and Become Your Healthiest Today. So tell me a little bit about overcoming procrastination <laughs> as it applies. Cause I know this is something like oh, man. everybody knows they're like you, you'd have yes. to be like, I don't know, but you have to know, like everybody <laughs> knows health and wellness. Like that is something I should be spending mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. thinking about and doing. Yes. 
why, exactly, why do yes. we procrastinate and how can we overcome it? <laughs> my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Right, yeah, that's true. I mean, I was just giving a speech the other day, and I said uh, that I don't have to sit here and tell you guys things that you already know. And I even posed the question to the group, just Mm. basic questions, like how many servings of fruits and vegetables are we supposed to get? How much exercise are we supposed to get? All the things that we know we're supposed to do. And of course they all knew the answer. And then the the next question is how many of you are doing it? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, you know, there's less feedback on that question. So there's always excuses. We are constantly uh, making up reasons, trying to justify why we're not doing something that we should be doing that we know we're supposed to do. I even have like a visual and it says things, what does procrastination look like? And it's three circles. One of them says um, things I know that I should do, things that I want to do. And then a box over here on the side, all by itself, it says things that I do when I procrastinate. Mm. So they're separate. <laughs> it's right. always things that you know that you should be doing, but then you, you're, it's like your attention, you get distracted and you find you find mundane tasks to fill the time when you know that you're supposed to get something done. Yeah. So we we procrastinate with things um, because we usually it's it's a it starts back to um, it goes back to your mindset. So I talk a lot about mindset um, whenever I do presentations for groups uh, of people that are looking for help with you know lifestyle change. So I have some examples that I give um, some very poignant uh, uh, results from different focus groups that I give uh, that help people understand that it is, it all starts with your, a thought, everything that we do or don't do, all of it, mm-hmm. all of it starts with a single thought. So um, from there, once you, once you have a thought, then you, you set in place certain, you can set in place certain triggers uh, that will then modify whatever the behavior is that you're used to doing in order to create or, uh, or get rid of habits. So it's all about creating good habits and getting rid of bad habits so that you don't have to think about what you're going to do next because you've, you've done it enough times to now where it's a habit and you don't even have to think about it anymore. You just get up, like for example, with me, I, I don't even think about it. I just get up immediately. The first thing I do is put on my tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. I, it, just, it just doesn't even matter what else happens. I have to do that. So it's just a habit now for me. It doesn't even require a thought. So that's where you want to get to is, is uh, you know, where you have done something so long and it takes way more than 21 days to form a habit. Like yeah. that's what people say. But that actually that that's a myth that came from um, a, a cosmetic surgeon who uh, I think his name was Dr. Maltz. Hmm. And he he did a, a, a study to, to find out how long does it take for someone 
to get used to the cosmetic surgery that I performed on them. And it was 21 days. Uh, but it actually takes about 64 days to form a habit. Right. And so we have to get used to uh, forming habits, which which goes back to your, your thinking patterns and creating triggers so that you can then um, have behavior that follows. So I tell people, just try to pair things up. Like every time you go to the bathroom, I know it sounds weird, but when you go to the bathroom every single time, you're going to do 10 wall pushups. Mm. And then pretty soon, you know, it's it's like your, your brain, you're almost brainwashing your brain <laughs> and <laughs> Eventually, you'll just you'll go to the bathroom and you'll do 10. And eventually, hopefully, my, my, my hope is that you say, well, you know, 10 is not really enough. I'm going to go ahead and take the next, you know, 10 minutes and do push-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what I would like to see happen yeah. over time. So it takes time to perform habits. And then pretty soon, you're not procrastinating anymore because it's just like clockwork. It's a habit. So, yeah, we, you know, a lot of it has to do with motivation as well, though. Um, sometimes we just... We lack the motivation to get moving. And that goes back to mindset as well. <laughs> Everything goes back to mindset. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm a big believer in that. I, I actually started, well, I've always I've dabbled in meditation over the years, but I started taking it more seriously over the last couple of years to to the point that I have a daily habit now that I do. But with mindfulness, I find is incredibly helpful to just being, being aware. Like, for example, I, and uh, because I, I live on the internet and and uh, and I've always had a big interest in in media and how the internet kind of how propaganda spreads and misinformation and all these things. But just like mm-hmm. the the point about like when you see a news headline online, and you, you know I'm I'm aware now that I'm like as soon as I see something it gets me so angry and I'm like I'm angry and then I'm like wait a minute it worked <laughs> you know like, exactly, that's that's what yes. they're that's what they're trying to do i mean that's what know, they do if it mm-hmm. bleeds it leads yeah. right trying to get me to click links mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. please advertisers so it's important mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. to always be mindful both yeah but in, in in both ways you know um but i like to mm-hmm. i almost mm-hmm. like the idea of like going to the bathroom and actually even having like a post-it note like having visual cues as well or vis- vis- visual oh, reminders yeah. on the wall to say you know drop and do 10 not, yeah. you know or whatever I, yeah 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 <laughs> exactly and it sounds like you're doing the right thing not on any medication like i'm i'm gonna like give you a big round of applause for that because that's huge. You know, I love that. So you're doing something right in your life. You're eating right. You're moving. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. Well, I never said eating right. It's great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I went a little bit too far. You went too far. I? Hey, but I also noticed I did, I did, you know, in my research for you, I also know that eating chocolate is one of your things. So. Oh, man. Oh, yes. Every single day, Dave, every day I have to have at least a small piece of chocolate. I love dark chocolate. Oh, my God. But it's good for yeah. you, too, <laughs> so right? Like dark chocolate, dark chocolate is actually good for you. So, Yeah, there are some things. I mean, it's much better than, you know, something like milk chocolate or Skittles. Right, um, right. And yeah, it does have some <laughs> nutritional benefits there. So I tell myself that as I'm eating it. Yeah. And as at the same time while I'm drinking red wine. <laughs> right. Yes. That's the other, that's another one. Yes. Yes. Um, so, and then as, so as far as like, let's say, let's say I run a, a fast growing technology company and I'm the leader, I'm the, the founder CEO, and I've got a team of, let's say 30 people or 80 people. And, um, but you know, uh, the great resignation is still alive and kicking and people are leaving and things are stressful and I'm trying to, you know, 
spin the plates and balance all the things. What what would you recommend I do in in that case to <clears throat> to you know to retain talent and encourage my team members to to live happier, healthier lives? Yeah, so there's so many things, uh, as I'm sure you know, that that play into retention, and that's that's really what you're talking about is trying to keep the good people that you have, mm-hmm. so that you're not, you know, spending money on getting more people in the door. So I think that um, one of the first things I would do is take a step back and think about what kind of culture that I want to have long term, mm. which is important uh, to consider if you are a business owner that wants to grow your business, so, which most business owners do. Most business owners are in it, you know, for hopefully they love the, the work, but they also need to make a profit. So business outcomes are di- uh, directly related. I can't stress that enough, directly related to culture and engagement. And both culture and engagement can be addressed by a well-rounded designed wellness program. So I always tell leaders that um, if you want to if you want to improve culture and you want to improve engagement, then we, we have to look at well-being as one of the strategies that you use. And you don't necessarily need a lot of money to do it. But one of the things that uh, I, I've learned more almost more than anything else is, like I said before, um, the whole psychological safety thing, which has to do with people feeling safe, being themselves when they come to work, feeling safe, um, expressing their own opinions when they're at work, uh, uh, voicing whatever challenges to the status quo that they have. You know, they they want to come to work and feel that they're valued, appreciated, accepted, respected. And um, that helps them to feel like they're more part of the team. Mm. And if you can engage people in such a way that they're part of whatever decision making that you have to make business wise, um, that will affect them and that they know uh, the direct correlation between their position in the company and their duties and how that aligns with where you want to grow the company, where you want to see the company go to, then that's a huge step because they feel like they're part of the solution. And if you can make them part of the solution to, let's say, some existing problem that you're having, uh, then they feel even even more part of the solution. They feel valued. They feel that you care what they that you care about what they think. And having those conversations with employees often, I think, is one of the most important things for leaders to do as well. Just having impromptu conversations. I remember when I worked one of my first employers, uh, one of my the managers at my first employer, she was actually the reason I stayed as long as I did because she would call me in her office every now and then, and and we would just have just what it felt like to me was just a conversation. I'm sure she had some other underlying reason that I didn't know about, but to me it, it felt like she cared about me. It felt like she was trying to help me grow in in this in this particular uh, job. She wanted me to. Uh, connect with directors in other areas when I would tell her about where where my interest lies. And she was very, very uh, good about connecting me with other leaders in the organization so I could move around if I wanted to. So those those conversations where you can actually express uh, the fact that you do care about the, the person, the employee, and you want to help them uh, to advance their career, you want to help them uh, you, you want to help them with uh, any type of uh, learning and training opportunities to grow as an individual and to develop within the company and that, you know, you, you've, you've definitely aligned where you see the company going with what they bring to the table. Um, those are almost like stay interviews. It's almost, it's ties right along with that, having these 
um, frequent stay interviews so that people can be vulnerable and express like, hey, I don't really like the way this is going or I love the way this is going and feeling okay being vulnerable, which means that you also have to be vulnerable as well. Yeah, I love that. And stay interviews are an important part of the NICE methodology. This this framework that I teach leaders um, and teams is, you know, the asking those questions and spending time um, hearing your team and understanding, you know, taking taking the, their feedback and using it and sharing that you've actually done something with that feedback also encourages, you know, trust and, and less mm-hmm. fear in the workplace as well, because, you know, that all affects retention for sure. And it's so costly um, to lose great talent. Oh. Yeah. And I, one thing I'll add to that is um, if they do end up getting uh, any company that has a wellness program up and going, it's very important to get regular and frequent feedback so that you can make changes along the way so that, you know, if you're getting people that are, that are saying they're not, they're going to come to something, but they're not, Mm. uh, or maybe they are and they express, they express something that, you know, they didn't necessarily like about it. Then those things need to be addressed. And um, it's important that if you do offer feedback surveys that you do something with, like you just said, you know, do something with it so that people don't feel like they just spent the time doing something for nothing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually worse to have like to ask the questions or have a survey or something like that and not do anything with the results because Mm -hmm. yeah, that just Mm -hmm. annoys people even more because they've shared Mm -hmm. their feedback and, and it just goes to deaf ears. So uh, good, good point. All right. I'm going to move on to the lightning Mm -hmm. round, Kim. So complete this sentence. Nice guys and gals finish. First, <laughs> what's what's a what's a nice book that you recommend our listeners check out? Um, let me see. What's a nice book? So, there's a book by a guy named Doctor Thomas Clark, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's called it's something like the Four Factors of Psychological Safety, or mm-hmm. something like that, or Four components of psychological safety or something. Yeah. Um, I think that one's a good one if you're in HR and you're listening. That's great. That's great. And I'll include a link to everything we're talking about in the show notes. So I'll, I'll dig it up and have a link okay. in the, uh, so folks oh, can cool. find that. Um, so how is, okay. how is Kim nice to herself? Huh. Well, Kim loves – I almost need to like put myself on a, a chain around my – leg or something because I love <laughs> tennis, but it's not doing good things for me these days. I've got a bad knee. You know what happens when you get old, yeah. things start wearing out. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a bad knee and, uh, and that's, you know, really problematic for me when I play tennis, but I can't stop playing tennis. I'm absolutely addicted. I'm mm. done. <laughs> so, uh, so I would say, you know, that's one of the ways that Kim is nice to herself is for when I play tennis, I literally feel no stress. It, I mean, everything just disappears and I just feel happy and and free. And I I love the way it makes me feel. And um, and also dancing. I'd love to dance. That's, it makes me feel the same way. <laughs> that's excellent. If you had a billboard, what would it say? It would say... I would probably take the quote, I think it's from Gandhi that says, be the change in the world that you want to see. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, I like that one. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> Kim, thank you so much for spending time with me and for being on the podcast today. How can folks uh, get a hold of you and learn more about what you do? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Kim Farmer. Um, also, our website is milehighfitness.com. And our email address is thrive at milehighfitness.com. That's awesome. And we're on social everywhere. Also, Mile High Fitness. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much again for being here today. It was fun. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I would love to include your voice on the show. If you have comments or questions regarding this episode or any episode, whether you might have some nice communications tips of your own, visit friend.nicepodcast.co. There, you can record an audio comment, and I expect you'll hear it on an upcoming episode. Theme song is Little Jane May, and the end song is Funny Feeling by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. And we'll see you next time. Be nice. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.